Yo, before we get into this podcast, I want to ask for a huge favor from you. And that is if you have or you are getting value from this podcast, if you were to leave us a review or subscribe, it would mean the world. And quite frankly, selfishly, it's because I want to, we want to continue sharing these conversations, this medicine with the world. And when you leave a review, when you subscribe, it's a vote. And we would love to have your vote. Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy. I'm taking different pieces of movement and then trying to combine them together. So for me, it's not as much as learning new movements is uh, creating new sequences. So I'm not learning something new anymore Mm. because those foundations are already exist in my system. Dan Altman is a movement genius who has personally inspired my journey and hundreds of people all around the world when it comes to unlocking and accessing movement freedom. This conversation was a lot of fun. He shared some potentially unpopular ideas and beliefs around various forms of movement such as dance and MMA along with his secrets or tips if you will on how to create the type of freedom within our minds and bodies that we all whether we know it or not deeply crave hope you enjoy Dan, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, show. So in this conversation, there are a myriad of things I'd like to play around and and talk with you about from movement to biomechanics to the why of what you do and really got you started on the journey. But before we hop into all of that, Tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of you're you're currently living in Israel, correct? Yeah. Okay. Were you born and raised Uh, there? Yeah, I was uh, actually born in Ukraine. Uh, We moved to Israel uh, with all my family uh, when I was around four years old. And I kind of grew up in Israel. Um, Yeah, and started like uh to um let's say get into this culture because i i wasn't so familiar with the israeli and i was um at russian speaking uh kindergarten kindergarten so Mm -hmm. i wasn't talking hebrew so much and then um kind of grew up here and now people uh think i'm like a native Israeli, uh, I have no accent and nobody like knows that I actually uh, was born in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that basically it, uh, started moving and uh, exploring movement uh, initially from Capoeira. Um, I don't know How if old? you heard about what? How old were you? You started getting into Capoeira? Yeah, uh, I was like about uh, the fourth grade, Mm -hmm. uh, about 10 years old, something like this. Um, And I remember there was like a very impactful movie, uh, The Only Strong Will Survive, something like this. Uh, It's a capoeira teacher that comes to uh, 
a very problematic uh, area with kids that are like criminals. And he basically teach them capoeira, and um, it's like it was a big hit in Israel. Like it, in the nineties, uh, many people started to train because of this. And I was looking uh, at this age, like finding some uh, capoeira teacher, and I was looking for a teacher about a year or two, something like this. And it was really hard to find because mm -hmm. I wasn't living in the center of Israel. I was living some, somewhere in the suburbs. And finally, when someone came, he all of a sudden like disappeared after one training. And I waited another six months. Yeah. Uh, and then I found a, a teacher and I was traveling with this teacher like uh, every day almost. Training, um, training like six hours a day. Uh, five times a week. Dang. Um, yeah, I was really obsessed about capoeira, about moving, uh, about movement in general. Uh, yeah, and then I um, moved through different disciplines. My my teacher uh, left capoeira. Is some something happened? I think I was uh, with someone and uh, they broke up, and then everything broke up, it, uh, broke down. So. Uh, I, I left Capoeira because I didn't like the other teacher and and continue on with my life and then I started training other mm. disciplines and I left because I uh, was studying and basically found my way uh, to movement after about 10 years that I haven't practiced um, and then I'm on this journey again. <laughs> mm. Okay, so there was strong roots in Capoeira, but it sounds like whether it was a teacher disappeared or tra teacher transitioned out and then the person who stepped in wasn't, you weren't really vibing with, you eventually found yourself in the path of, you're, you're using the term movement. And actually, that's something I'd like to ask you about is how do you define slash qualify what is movement or what is that culture or that context? Because in my brain, I'd imagine or at least how I would think is, oh, like Kapawada would be an expression of movement. And in theory, so would perhaps yoga and maybe even certain elements of gymnastics and acrobatics and things like that. But how do you personally define movement or what for you resonates as being movement? Um, for me, first and foremost, is, uh, is the health of the body. Um, mm -hmm. Many people, like you mentioned other practices, and as I was practicing and I tried different uh, approaches, I saw that each approach has its own goals. And because mm -hmm. of that, it also has its own limitations. For example, mm -hmm. capoeira, because of the tradition, uh, they don't allow to pull, uh, to fall on the ground because they, do, they, they were doing it uh, in white clothes. And if you fall down, if, you, if somebody uh, make you fall down, you basically um, um, uh, lost, and you you hmm. you have dirt on your uh, pants and so on. So many movements that are uh, including rolls on the grounds on the ground uh, doesn't include it in capoeira. Although capoeira is so, uh, you you can find a variety of movement in capoeira. And so many natural movements, natural movements that are good for our body, 
and mm -hmm. uh, fluidity that you, you see uh, in many natural movements are included in capoeira. So it's very um, rich in, in terms of movement, but it's also limited. And you can see it in many disciplines like yoga. You can see that yoga is very static and it mm -hmm. puts you on the mat and you are not able to move off the mat because it's not part of the of the practice and you can see it mm -hmm. uh, uh, throughout all all disciplines you can see it uh, in martial arts and so on so uh, for me movement is uh, first of all the freedom of motion the ability to move freely and I mm -hmm. kind of trying to not define it um, defining <laughs> movement yeah it's like uh, it's it's problematic because people want to know Give me, give me what it is. Give me the structure. Give me this, uh, this form that the movements fall into. Um, and I'm trying to avoid it. And I'm trying to put it as vague as possible to uh, let people uh, find their health and their uh, freedom and expression in it. Mm. It sounds, I'm not saying that you have direct influence, but what you're saying to me has a very Bruce Lee-esque approach to the way that he trained martial arts in that his initial background, from my understanding, was getting into Wing Chun and Kung Fu, but he very quickly threw, uh, quickly realized, from my understanding, there was, a, there was a story he tells about how he was attacked in the streets, and there was points where his opponents had him in a position where he realized that his training was not done in a way that allowed him to be as versatile as he needed to be and thus sent him on this this relentless search for well what is martial arts which you know goes on to say like martial arts is it's self-expression it's being able to honestly express oneself but that he would train in a way where it was fluid hence when jeet kundo came about the way of the intercepting fist one of the things that they mentioned to him was oh like this is it's kind of like the, you know, in, in Taoism, they would say uh, the way that can be spoken is no longer the eternal way, that it's the nature of, of any kind of expression is meant to be fluid. And when you start putting certain barriers, blockades, or boundaries around things is when it limits our potential to, to what you're speaking about is that freedom. How can we have yeah. freedom if we are in this cage, in this box? Is, well, if you lay on the ground, you get dirt on your thing. Now you lose. You, you've lost the game and you're standing up, you like dust yourself off. You're like, really? I lost because yeah. of that? <laughs> it is restrictive. I could see that. And I also see your point in why it wouldn't make sense to have that be our ceiling saying this is, you can't go past this point. Yeah. You have also like the other side of it, which is uh, you need some form, you need some structure uh, in order to basically um, move properly. So, uh, our body meant to move in a certain ways, uh, in certain way, because we have certain joints and they move uh, um, healthy. The, the movement of the joints stay stay functional and healthy as long as we do it properly, as as long as we treat our our uh, our body properly. So uh, sometimes people get out the form, uh, which is the form of the body, the natural way it functioned the best, and then uh, they get injured, like caving mm -hmm. the knee. Many people know that when you squat, you, you you don't want to cave the knee to bring him together, because yeah, because 
uh, then the knee is not in the optimal form to push the ground. So basically, you want to be free, but you also want to have the form uh, in order to stay healthy and functional. So it's understanding the biomechanics, like how, mm -hmm. what is the structure of the body, and in the other, uh, in, in the other, on the other side, you want also to move freely. So this there is there is a game. Uh, like how I stay free, but also stay in the form, stay in the in the mm. in the structure. Okay, so it, would you say it, it's a dance between form and formlessness that it's kind of this ebb and flow? Uh, I think yes, and also it's it's a game of understanding forms and how to break them to the <laughs> simplest components, and then yeah. construct them in a way that you can uh, create new forms. So every form can be break down to many, many, many small forms. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, oh. fra fractional fractality. Uh, there is like many, many um, uh, images that you can uh, get bigger and bigger and bigger and they keep, keep, keep yeah, bringing the same patterns again and again. It's like nature. Uh, you have the leaves, and then the leaves uh, is a, repre a representation of the of the whole tree. Like uh, you find those patterns uh, coming again and again in different forms and in different sizes. So I, I find movement really uh, kind of correlate with this idea of understanding the foundations and then uh, trying to and knowing how to connect them together. Mm hmm. And I've noticed that in the way that you teach both on say Instagram, but also I have taken your fundamentals course and it's something that I, I come back to and remind myself because that's something you harp on relentlessly is fundamentals, fundamentals, yeah. fundamentals, learn this stuff really well because your ability to do the higher level skills is heavily dependent upon how well you've mastered the fundamentals. Yeah. It's being able to take say a singular movement that is it, I, I'm guessing here, but let's just say there's this one movement that I want to learn. You're saying, well, inside of that movement, there are a series of movements or there are a series of, of little pieces that come together to, to do that one movement. So one movement could have 10 pieces. Now go in and zoom in on that first piece and the second piece and the third piece. And once you've, you've practiced those well enough and you've connected the dots well enough and you've established the, the neuro hardware for it, your body begins to adapt and respond to the way that you're training now. Is that kind of in that right direction? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's exactly that. Um, yeah, you got it right. <laughs> yeah, you. I I really appreciate your approach to teaching because even if I take, for example, if I were to go on my phone right now and show a screen of like one of your more recent videos, and you say, "Hey, this is the movement," and then in that video you demonstrate, "Here's what it's going to look like." And then you break it up step one, step two, step three, step four, because that's that zoom in. Yeah. The, the step one is the zoom in on that one piece. And then you do that a bunch of times and then you add a little jump to it. And then eventually it's jump with like an arm or a jump with some air. If we break it, the components down enough, eventually that freedom that we seek is the byproduct of finding the freedom in each individual piece of that journey. Yeah. And you know, the more I see, uh, the, the more I train and the more I teach students, I see that 
it's really um, important to, to master and internalize those fundamentals because once they, tr they are trying to do something more complex, like combining few pieces together, um, they are forgetting mm -hmm. what they've learned before, previously. And then this is the, the point when the injuries are happening because um, once you, again, lose the, the form, lose the structure, then you are putting your body in danger. And this mm -hmm. is why I, I love to say that master the fundamentals because once it's part of you, um, it's like a, an instinct. It comes natu naturally. It, come, it comes without you even, even thinking about it. And I had many times that I uh, did something, did, did a flip, and then my body responded without me even thinking about it. And... It saved me plenty of times from injuries because my body adjusted to the movement in air and it, it came up naturally, it came up as an instinct. And this is what I'm trying to convey and, and, and actually uh, persuade other people to, to, to really master the fundamentals because it's not so sexy many people they don't want to learn like you know the boring stuff give me like the, the flip that you do like give me the, mm -hmm. your craziest flip i want to learn it now mm -hmm. um and yeah this is like uh the dichotomy the the problem with the you know there is like uh the guru on the mountain and the students want to come to the mountain and be on, on the peak on, of the mountain but they have to go to, to the through the to the path to the road and Many people want the results fast, so mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's it's the instant gratification culture, at least that we have here in the states. I'm not sure how it is in in Israel. Maybe uh, you can fill me in on that. It's the same like, here. The same here. You, you want something quick? You go on Amazon, you order it, and it's back there in the next 24 to 48 hours. We want the quick fix. We want to take a pill for everything. Versus, yeah, it's doing the work. It's it's committing to. If we're going to use the guru on a mountain metaphor, it's knowing that the guru is on the mountain, so to speak. But I would, I bet you would agree that if let's just say you were the guru in this instance, that you are constantly going back to square one. You're constantly yeah. going back to the fundamentals yourself, right? Practice yeah. what you preach. And that means I'm going to walk down, do this again and again, refine and refine and refine because what you were pointing at with the you, you you often use this word as well in your programs is this effortlessness this ease yeah and one might say oh well we're accessing accessing a state of flow as stephen kotler defines it a a state of consciousness where we feel and perform our best where yeah. things are effortless without ease time dissipates because in that moment you're in the middle of the flip and you some part of your body's like this isn't actually going to work we need to make this small adjustment you pop out of it and you, you could have gotten hurt if you didn't have that intrinsic body knowing but because you relentlessly harped on the fundamentals and coming back to the beginning and i imagine starting small your body adapts our bodies adapt and we can eventually get to that mountain through connecting all the pieces that came before it yeah, and you mentioned about me coming back to the fundamentals. I actually tried to practice other stuff. Like I tried to do only flexibility and trying only to do strength work without the, the, the fundamentals, without including this in the, in the practice. I thought that my body would stay the same and my skill level will stay the same. 
but mm -hmm. this is not the case. My my body uh, forgot certain movements, and I saw that some of the things not as polished as they were before that, and the body needs needs the movement, and the body needs to come back to the fundamentals. And every time that I'm taking a break from that, uh, it reminds me how much uh, the fundamentals is is a, a, an essential part of the practice. Okay, so I think what I heard you were saying is is when you try to separate flexibility slash mobility, strength, and then movement, that what you were told was, don't worry, if you make gains here in strength and mobility, it'll stay there if you leave it alone and go back to movement. But it sounds like you're saying that that's actually not the case, that we have to constantly be integrating them and, and having them all point fingers at each other to continue growing. Um, I found this thing with strength and mobility isolated from movement. So I took uh, those two and I practice them uh, without the movement so I isolated mm -hmm. it from the movement and I wasn't practicing movement as much I was doing like once in a month once 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 in a month or once in two weeks something like this um, but I saw that it has an effect on the body like the the ranges are not the same um, the strength isn't the same because the stimulus that you get from movement, the variety that you get from movement isn't uh, replaceable. You cannot do mobility and then come back to movement and expect that the patterns you had before that will be mm -hmm. restored and, and uh, just by training strength and mobility. Movement, uh, mm -hmm. and i also telling this my my students, Strength and mobility, uh, it's a supplementary work for, for mm -hmm. movement because movement reveals what's uh, the, the, weak, the, the weak points that we have. So if, for example, mm -hmm. your uh, jump isn't high enough, movement will, will, um, movement will reveal that because you will immediately mm -hmm. see that your, maybe your backflip isn't high enough. So... Movement can reveal mm -hmm. those those patterns. If you are not flexible enough, uh, you'll see certain certain um, certain clues that movement leaves. It, it, and this is the beauty because um, people train only strength and only mobility, but uh, mm -hmm. in the end of the day, it's not functional. And I tried it. I tried it on my body, and even though I'm skilled, um, still it's not. You don't. It's not. Uh, you don't have the, the effect that uh, people look for, I think. Mm. There's, it seems like this more holistic approach to doing movement because as we're going through a particular movement, for example, I can point a finger specifically at, like I'm training one-arm handstands right now. I've done two-arm handstands for a very long time. I'm training one-arm handstands. And what I am seeing is that the training involves ridiculous repetitions, number of repetitions to develop strength and coordination. There's also training for mobility and making sure that your body is pliable to hit the shapes that it needs to hit, or at least in having more mobility, it allows you to access different aspects of that movement 
that wouldn't have been capable if we, if I did not have that range of motion and that they all point a finger at each other. My mobility will impact the shape or how it moves in space. If I have the strength or lack thereof will determine, and also the conditioning, right? So there's like, can I actually do it? But then how long can I do it? Like the actual conditioning portion of it, how long can I make that last? If those all aren't coordinating, then I will not be able to maintain or hold a handstand for very long. I might get it for a moment, but it, it is that, as you said, come back to the fundamentals, breaking it down into its individual components, training each element of it from strength, mobility, coordination, and all of that, bringing it back together to then have this, say, finished product of a movement or one-arm handstand or anything else, yeah. but you had to bring it all together. Yeah. Um, I think about... Uh, about this concept, about always uh, juggling with all those uh, fitness components. And as I said, uh, I don't see any other way to really maintain a functional body uh, rather than this holistic approach of doing movement and from movement um, realizing what you need else to work on. Like if you need to work on mobility, then apply some additional work on the mobility, but movement is the, the foundation. If you are lacking strength, if it's jumps or presses or anything else, you should add it to movement. Um, this is what I found to be most effective uh, practice so far. Yeah, there's, there's an integrative way that you are approaching movement that I appreciate because a lot of times it can seem disjointed. We can see so like we say like biomechanics and my relatedness to that word and if you have a different relatedness please feel free to fill me in but i think like bio of a relating to our biology or our body and mechanics being the mechanism that is our, our movement so the movement and the mechanics of our body and if we only see it from either a mechanical perspective or only from a, a biological perspective it doesn't give us the full image you only see some aspect of the image, but something that you've mentioned, and I think is also important to highlight is movement to you. It seems is, is more than just movement. It's, it's the opportunity to get out of our heads, perhaps where we spend a ridiculous amount of time and really get into our bodies, really get into our experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's also like movement teaches you about your internal world. Because um, you can see that sometimes internal limitations, like uh, internal uh, talk that many people have, uh, sometimes interfere with the way they move. And also the way they move um, shine, uh, shine light on what they have inside, what they think mm -hmm. and, and what, how they see the world. So... Basically, movement is uh, is like a lie detector. You, you, you never can lie with your body. If you see someone frustrated, uh, you, you will see it on the body, you will see it on, on his movement. And sometimes those limiting beliefs are um, rising when people practice movement. So if I sometimes uh, give someone a, a challenge and is not able to overcome this challenge you will see how he reacts from the, like how how his body reacts and you immediately can tell 
what is going on uh, inside his head, right? Mm -hmm. Because his body uh, wouldn't uh, will not function as well as he was when he felt the best and he was succeeding. And this is really psychological, uh, enters in, in the psychological realm of, of, uh, of our existence, I think. Okay, so now we're bringing in a psychological component to the bio, biology, biomechanical aspect. So how, so we're, we're talking about a person, but bring me into your experience a little bit. So I imagine that if this is something that you're speaking to, that this is something that you've experienced. So where have you noticed as you were going through your journey, did you bump up against limiting beliefs or did you bump up against like aspects inside of you of your psychology or maybe even within your own biology that there were things that you shed a light on that gave you the opportunity to either really look at yourself and do some work around it or not? To be honest, um, with movement, I never had a problem and for me, movement was like um, was re something that came to me really easy. I think, or I enjoyed it so mm -hmm. much that I didn't saw the challenges that other people see. I was so passionate about it. Um, it it really came naturally to me. Uh, maybe because of that. Maybe because of other reasons. Um, but I really saw the those patterns when I started to teach, when I saw some uh, limitation in other people. So if we go back a little bit, I think movement, um, if we talk about the mental side but not the emotional side, movement is also um, understanding patterns of motion and basically the mechanism is the body and the musician is the mind, right? Because you have the mm. body, you have the body that performs, but um, actually the, the body is the instrument and the mind is the musician, right? Be because the, the, the head, your brain is basically sending signals, but the body is the one that performs. Mm. So I think it's mental because um, you also have to send signals to the body and you have to remember what signals work and then you have to perform them again. So it's like um, understanding what works and then knowing how to do it again and again and again. And this is basically mm -hmm. the, the science of success, right? So we want to find something, uh, some way to reach a certain goal, right? And we look, we are looking for the patterns that work. We are looking for the actions that bring the results that we want, right? We want more money. Let's see how we can work uh, to get more money. We want uh, uh, a female partner or a partner in general. Doesn't matter if it's female. Um, we are looking for patterns of behavior that will get us those results. Uh, and, and I think mm -hmm. movement is, is uh, first of all, understanding patterns and what works and what doesn't work. And this is also brings us to um, sen 
to the sensitivity of the body. I want to feel what's right, what's effortless, and what's not. So um, I saw it when I started to exploring different kind of roles. So I started rolling, mm -hmm. and every time that I got hit from the floor, I realized that my movement wasn't as effective as it should be. So I started thinking about how can I manipulate my joints and my body and how, how I can find the, the soft surfaces of the body to engage with the ground so my motion will be fluent and I won't hurt my mm -hmm. body. And mm -hmm. with time, I found those patterns of success. And then I realized that those are the fundamentals. Those are the, the basic forms of the body that we should first internalize in order to move with more uh, effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when you say the word internalize, what I'm imagining is our brain it communicates through neurons and it sends electrical impulses that are communicating information and when we do a thing enough times whether it's snapping a finger doing a backflip or any core speaking specifically to coordinated movements it sends a specific electrical impulse and if we do it enough times it connects neurons into a neural network and pointing back to something you said earlier about how when you would say train mobility and strength but you would put movement to the side that neural network wasn't being used as often. And the whole saying, if you don't use it, you'll yeah. lose it. The the neurons or the connections just kind of no, 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 not as important. The brain deprioritizes keeping those connections because we're not using them, excuse me, using them as much. Yeah. It doesn't place the same importance as if we were training it on a regular basis. And there's also this element of when we are in that training, taking the time to deconstruct what is going on in the movement? So you mentioned, well, when I would fall, I would, or I'd, you know, land on the ground or whatever it was, I would take a moment to, I imagine it's to deconstruct it, to look at it and to start to build those neural connections through looking at the, the, the firings that didn't work. Like, okay, I did it. That didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. Oh wait, that worked a little bit more. Oh wait, that's closer. And then eventually it, it like snaps like, Oh, okay, this is, this is good. Now, how do we, we replicate and duplicate this enough times. Now this might be getting a little bit micro, but I wanna, I wanna try something out here. So let's just say you were going to practice doing a movement. Do you have a process that you generally follow to build that out? Whether it's okay, first I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it a few times, then I'm gonna, break it down into its components, then I'm gonna do the component, then I'm gonna like take a minute afterwards and think about what worked and what didn't. Do you have some kind of process or do you kind of more intuitively feel through it in your body or is it a mixture? Is it something completely different? What does that look like? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is sometimes when I'm, um, I'm imagining a lot of movement patterns and in my mind, I have like an imaginary me that doing all those mm -hmm. movements. <laughs> and sometimes um, I'm getting, getting to reality, trying them in reality, and sometimes it mm -hmm. doesn't work um, because the momentum is not as 
as I imagine it. And mm-hmm. my body goes to the di- different direction as it was in my mind. Um, so I don't have so much this process anymore. Um, I don't remember it because because of the fundamentals, I can take one I taking um, in my when I'm imagining those movements, I'm taking different pieces of movement and then trying to combine them together. So for me, it's not as much as learning new movements is uh, creating new sequences. So I'm not learning something new anymore. Mm because those foundations are already exist in my system um, I'm just le- uh, I'm just combining them in different uh, different sequences but if I'm uh, thinking back um, my path wasn't as I'm I'm explaining now so uh, when I wasn't the master of those fundamentals, um, I was just doing it by trial and error. I, I was uh, doing it mm-hmm. thousands of times um, until I, I was uh, getting the movement. This is uh, this was my process. <laughs> Go fall on my face a lot, figure yeah. it out a little by little, and hopefully fall on your face a little bit less each yeah. time. Yeah, I. But that's a good point, yeah, though. I, when, Go when I was a kid, I had the privilege to fall. Um, now I don't have mm-hmm. it anymore, um, and this is why I, I say so many times: if you have someone that master a certain craft, uh, me movement. So I always tell people: learn from people that already got the keys to where where you want to go uh that got mm-hmm. the that, that got the path and yeah i think it's really important because right now i don't have this privilege uh to fall so when i want to want, uh, want when i want to learn something i go directly to people that already master those uh those niches mm-hmm. it's a simple yet really important truth that there is somebody out there almost anything that we can think of under the sun has been done and they say like oh nothing new has ever been created it's just different shades of the same thing to your point about movement i'm not creating new movements i'm simply forming new sequences with my already existent foundation and when we can tap into the wisdom of somebody who's already walked this path for years yeah. they, they essentially like if we're at step one and they're at step ten thousand, if they make a book or they make a program in your case like making a program or if they make a video on instagram whatever it is this is a person who is distilling from their experience from their trials from their errors from falling on their face from making mistakes from doing things right they're saying hey this is the best path that i found so far maybe save yourself some time yeah. and energy and and hear what i have to say and that is a simple yet I believe often underutilized truth is that there's somebody who's already walked this path might as well, you know, whether it's investing the money to, to get that program or to get that book, or if it's investing the time and energy to learn from that person, because sure, you could go learn it on its own. I could go and, and try to teach myself the fundamentals of movement, or like I did, I could come to you and say, well, he's kind of doing something that I 
think is really cool and I enjoy. And it's an extension of a practice that I'm already taking yeah. on. And there yeah, are me, many, many fields the... that it's so natural to do those things. Like when you want to bake a cake, right? You don't try to reinvent mm -hmm. the cake. You just go and find the recipe, right? Uh, but when it mm -hmm. comes to movement, and I think many, many things, uh, people want to do it by themselves. And we have always the exchange. We always exchange something. Either it's our time, either it's our money, uh, energy, effort, uh, failures, sometimes injuries. Um, I think we always exchange something. And when you choose exchange money, I think sometimes um, it's the best thing to exchange because money, uh, it's infinite, right? But your time isn't. Hmm. Money is infinite, but your time isn't. Yeah, same thing with your energy. Yeah. If the we if we hey, if you want to go and nonsensically expend your time and your energy, great. You are gonna run out of that. You can you can increase your capital, you can increase your money, but we all have the same amount of seconds, minutes, and hours in the day, and how we utilize them will largely determine our quality of yeah. life. Back to the original point go to the person who's already done the thing as simple as it sounds, but like really go to that person because they've already removed a lot of the, the man hours, figuring out man, woman, <laughs> the hours to figure that yeah. out. I think it took me like about 20 years to understand what are the foundations uh, because I went through so many practices and so many disciplines and I, train capoeira for so much and after some time you, you see that uh, same patterns repeat themselves in different disciplines because our body stay the same uh, the, the practices are changing so we are going to utilize the same uh, uh, principles the same uh, foundational movements in so many practices so uh, if you can take take those patterns and learn them first and then uh apply them you can and then you can apply them basically anywhere i love that and it it brings me back to the the point you made that i'm like really sitting with and digesting is if you mastered the fundamentals in the way that you have there comes a point where you're not recreating the wheel every time to learn a new sequence. It's just you taking a moment saying, okay, so this looks like this movement and this movement or this combination of movements, or this is the, like the fascial lines that it's moving, or these are the mechanics of, of this particular thing. How do I bring this together into something that already exists? You're tapping into the neural networks that already exist versus having to start from scratch. It's an inefficiency. It's a waste of time. And I would imagine also likely puts you at risk of injury because you're having to explore a territory that you haven't done yet because you haven't laid that, that foundation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think it's, uh, it's one, one of the, the amazing things that you can do now, because once, once you have those foundations, you really, uh, can do so many things and, I was really many times um, shocked of the things that I, I can do with my body uh, because of the of the fundamentals. Because sometimes 
um, you imagine something in your mind, but you, you are not sure if you are able to do it. Um, and I think th this is the this is what enables you to, to do that. Uh, the mastery of those of those uh, principles of those foundations. Okay, and and seeking those foundations. I'm gonna I want to keep harping this because I think it's worth harping on. It's seeking those foundations both through your own practice, but also through the practice of others. What do you mean? You don't have to do it. Like if we're looking to build foundations, right? We're we're looking to build fundamental layers we can find those through observing our own practice and like compassionately scrutinizing what worked and what didn't. But then also don't forget this part people is also look at others as well. Look at yourself and look at others, right? If I want to go and, and learn how to do a, a super McFly twist, I just made that up and I just watched you do a video on it. Maybe take a moment to watch that video, read the words in the caption of the Instagram post where you are sharing years of insight that took tons and tons of energy and time. You took that moment in time to capture and say, Hey, here's the pathway. I've walked it. It's been paved. You don't have to, to go and make your own pathway. This one already yeah. exists. Yeah. It, it makes uh, people's lives so much easier. Um, I think Tony Robbins said that I'm standing on the, sh on the shoulders of giants. It means by that, that he learns all his techniques from other people, from other people that invest their, their, their time, money, and energy to extract all the good knowledge, all the, all the gold nuggets from other people, and they're made something of their own. And then he took it and created something of his own. So, yeah, it's really worth of, of, uh, of investing in this um, and understanding that there are things that, you don't know um, and some people some other people know and and they can sh show you the shortcut so why won't you take it mhm mm yeah and it's it's not only shortcuts but it's it's shortcuts with i can't think of the word but you know how like there's there's shortcuts and they're actually it's like on a rickety bike. It's like, hey, if you take this bike, you can get yeah. there quicker. But, you know, we're not sure if the bike's actually going to get you there. It's like it's a rickety bike. But the, the vehicle, maybe that's the metaphor I want to use is not only is the pathway that you're taking a shorter path, but the vehicle that you're taking to get there is a good vehicle to use, which I think is also yeah. a good point is make sure that the source or the person that you're learning from has a good vehicle and, and actually test it and vet it out for yourself. Don't just assume that they have the information, but pay attention, really listen to what they're saying because they might be selling you or encouraging you to take this shortcut, but it's on this rickety bike that like the wheels kind of wobbling and, other, and the other wheels kind of flat. You don't exactly have a pump hanging out nearby to make yeah, sure that you know, what you're using is good. Sometimes like um, th there is another dichotomy that um, the you know we always as as a teachers think what people do we want no worries if we want to give people what they want or should we give the people what they need right because if you look at mm. fitness if the, on the fitness industry uh they look to give the people like the the fit body and so on and so forth but maybe they forgetting about the health benefits Maybe they are forgetting about mm -hmm. like other stuff that our body needs, but we are not getting through those practices. 
uh, or we should give them what they need but it's not always as sexy as the other things um, that other people um, giving them right so there is also always this uh, like what should I do um, and I think and I think yeah we we have to like kind of cover it you know give them what they want with what they uh, need <laughs> mm-hmm yeah it's it would be the distinction I imagine of if we're gonna use like bodybuilding for example of looking good and feeling good it's not just enough to to look good you can do all the training and get all bulked up but if you're not training in a way that is biomechanically making sense or you're not providing yourself with the type of nutrition that your body needs to function optimally, then too far to one side of that dichotomy creates imbalances and issues in the system, which has downstream effects in all areas of our life. Versus if you go way too, let's just say like feeling good right up front with people who aren't ready for that. And maybe that's more the path of fundamentals. People might get disinterested or they might be quick to check out because you're selling them on hey let's let's crawl and they want to do a double yeah. backflip it's like okay how do we integrate this dichotomy and do a little bit of both but making sure that you're understanding over time that how you get to doing a double backflip is is, is really focusing on that that feeling good and doing the things that yeah it's also like um learning to love the journey because you know when you get uh, mm -hmm. good at some at one thing you want to get good at everything and to be in the same level as you go as the one as the one thing that you are good at so for example when uh for me i'm good at, at movement so sometimes i'm coming to other fields and i already want to be the master already want to be um this guy that already knows everything and yep. as i think uh, ido portal said it um, I'm always a student. So coming with this mindset mm -hmm. of being always a student and not uh, looking at yourself as the master, even even though um, you reach some level, some good level at certain things, even at, at those things, go back to the fundamentals, train and do those basic stuff. Uh, they, they are not so sexy, but they are good for you and good, good for your health and the thing is to learn how to love them and do those sometimes mundane things, um, even though like uh, they are not so fun. Learning how to enjoy them, learn how to breathe there, uh, to connect with your body, to get into this flow state, even though you do something that you did many times before. It's like running. It's so fun when you are getting into it. Um, but if you are hating every second of it, you are not going to enjoy it. Hmm. There's two things in what you just said. I, I want to highlight cause that was really good. One is first of all, I am not a Kobe Bryant at all. Like connoisseur. Do I know a lot about his life? And I'm sure someone's going to listen to this and like patronize or pick apart what I'm about to say, but I've heard about when people discussed Kobe Bryant in his process. And there was even someone, I think, in an interview, I can't remember who it was, but they talked about how they came across Kobe Bryant in one of his pregame warm-ups. And part of his warm-up was he would spend, I believe it was like a couple of hours before the game taking hundreds, if not thousands of shots, practicing 
basic jumpers, basic free throws, basic, 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 basic. And then when you see him in the game, right, you don't see the before, you don't see the after, you just see that moment in time. And this is actually really great to even point at your practice. When we see that, that short 10, 15, 20 second reel, and you do this incredible thing, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I Mm want to do that. But what they didn't see was all the preparation before, all the integration and rehab after, but what had Kobe Bryant be one of the greatest of all time, arguably the greatest, depending on who you speak to. I'm not going to say whether he is or isn't, but arguably one of the greatest of all time. It was because he wasn't, he was relentless. So before I got rudely cut off from internet deciding to blow itself up, I was saying something about Kobe Bryant and fundamentals, and I was going to tie it to something else that you said that I thought was really important. And right now in this moment is it is eluding me, but there is a common thread that we are speaking to and about around no matter how far up this supposed mountain that we've, we've climbed that we're always going to come back to our, our baseline and and where we started, so to speak, and, and keep rounding out those fundamentals. So as to, continue being able to grow and and build in the direction of, you know, whether it's improving our movement practice, but I'm, I'm wondering if you found that it also applies to everyday life, that the way you do your movement practice and the way that you choose to practice has in some way perhaps even poured over into maybe how you show up in relationships or how you show up as a business owner or how you show up as a, you know, as just a human being. Do you see those connections show up? Um, I think everything is connected and, uh, the, the movement patterns and the, the way, um, you organize things. I think everything is connected. Um, I saw it in my, uh, the, the way it affects my practice, it, it, uh, uh, the way the practice affects my life in general, uh, is it made me more, um, more, um, maybe um, process oriented like I I'm looking um, about I'm looking at everything as a process oriented thing and I have the steps to build up to this uh, to, to a certain point um, mm-hmm. and I think uh, organization um, it's also comes from the movement because um, certain movements, certain sequences have to happen in a certain order and um, I realized in my life the importance of those uh, things um, in many in many aspects like in the business side, in, in relationships um, yeah, I think movement has uh, taught me a lot of lessons um, yeah Okay. Yeah. I'm hearing that there is the specifically the part of process and being able to see how, yeah, I created a process over here in movement. I can also with some fluidity, you know, have some kind of process, whether it's business movement or relationship and it all kind of ties together. When you, when you imagine if, I mean, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but what do you see is like the, the bigger vision, the why of, what is possible when more people decide to take this journey. So like when you are working with someone, whether it's through their program or they're working with you privately, what is the vision or the why? Their why or mine? 
yours. You have a reason for sharing what you're sharing. And I assume that it's beyond, oh, well, let's learn some cool movements. And we've probably already been alluding to some of it throughout this conversation. But what is your why? Um, I think it comes back to the um, limitations and different disciplines, how they uh, in some way liberate us, but in other way limit us. So I think for me it's uh the the want and the need to share this uh idea that uh we don't have to be tied up to one specific practice and one specific sport um and we need to think about our body first like putting our body on the first priority mm. um because many sports are focusing on the goal uh, of reaching a certain uh, title, winning a certain medal. Uh, if it's a dancer even, that uh, it's not a competitive sport, they also put their body under uh, enormous pressure to perform. <clears throat> and I think the body comes second when people doing those things, when people are trying to uh, reach a certain goal, an external goal which is not their body and sometimes uh, it puts people in a position that they are forcing their injuries um, and I think many people um, even find it in in, uh, in martial arts they um, many people so much um, so much uh, tied with those kind of practices that it's really hard for them to to hear that you should think first about your body and you you, th you should think first about your health and not about the practice as much so i had a post on my instagram about how abusive uh martial arts are and many people don't talk about it and get very defensive about it and I, I get mm -hmm. their point and I get why they they are so defensive about it because all their life uh, invested in it and they they see the tradition and all the good stuff that uh, those kinds of practices brings but I think all of those things can be uh, achieved without the violence behind it like um, I trained my, uh, Thai box for quite some time and this sport uh, meant to hurt people you win by someone by making someone else lose right so mm. I don't see how um, those sports are beneficial um, in the sense of the keeping our body healthy and functional um, and, and I, I think it's really important to start with this idea in mind, like what kind of sports, what kind of practices will uh, enable me to stay healthy and functional and improve this over the years. Like what, what can be something that I can do 10 years from now, 20 years from now, uh, maybe not in the same intensity, but still you want to have this idea in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like there's a, a focus on longevity and making sure that the practice can be extensive, which, 
you know, playing devil's advocate, I'm not pro martial arts or anti martial arts, but I would imagine that if I were to, if we were in a conversation with me, you and a martial artist, they would probably have some point to be made around whether it's like they, they love the sport or they love whooping ass or maybe it's, you know, I really got into this because I was picked on as a kid or, and I wanted to be able to defend myself or I wanted to be able to defend my family or whatever it is. I mean, you could point at, so many different directions why somebody might want to take on that practice. But to your point, it yes. sounds like if we are wanting to build a practice, a movement that allows us to play, to explore, to be free in our movement for a sustainable period of time, that there are methods that aren't as taxing on the bones, the joints, the ligaments, the general well-being of our vessel because if it's constantly taking a pounding sure there will be adaptations but you know how how deep does it run in terms of you know the long-term stress potentially maybe that it has in our bodies physically mentally emotionally like what does that look like i personally can't say that i do but if our approach is let's let's make this one vehicle that we have work as well as we can i could see your point in maybe looking at a path that isn't as harmful whether it's yeah. martial arts or anything. Yeah, I understand some, some perspective uh, that, you know, our world is not perfect and sometimes people get abused and sometimes, uh, you know, things happen. But um, if we, like, want to design the perfect world, um, I think the perfect thing is coming from this, this uh, idea. Uh, it's not always possible and... Yeah, I know. Reality, you have like expectation and reality, and uh, we have to find find some the middle ground, the mm -hmm. the middle. Window. And that again, another commenter of this conversation. It's it's the dichotomy. It just it yeah. just is. <clears throat> there are both sides, and I think that there's it's possible that leaning too heavy to one side over any extended period of time, it just creates this static imbalance that sustainably probably isn't, it doesn't make sense in, in like a full spectrum human experience. We can't be happy all the time and feel good all the time. We also are going to experience sadness, grief, anger, frustration, that it is a pendulum that is, you know, perhaps swinging, but that when we can, you know, hang around more of a center, more of that, to me, kind of truth, having a tendency to be somewhere in between both sides of that dichotomy, that's where we can, we can reap the benefits of both sides because potentially there are benefits to both sides, but you can experience a lot more of the cons of one side or even miss out on the benefits of the other side and not being adaptive and open and malleable to other ideas than where we currently stand. Yeah, um, I think you brought uh, a nice point here. Um, and it's, I think it's a constant uh, search for this kind of, uh, for this balance, balance between uh, freedom and structure, balance between um, achievements and, and, and freedom and freedom and, and, and health, right? So um, yeah, even, even money, um, it's part of it. It's part of it. You, you want to give something uh, that 
that is valuable that people need but you also want uh, give them something that they are willing to pay for if they are, they are willing to pay for a perfect body you want to give them a program uh, for building a perfect body but you also want want them to um, realize that the other benefits of moving with freedom or of uh, mobility of of all of those things and finding this balance uh, it's uh, you know it's a uh, it's the, the balance between what you imagine and what actually exists mm -hmm. Ma making sure that we're managing our expectations in reality it might be hard to yeah, sell somebody yeah. on let's go to the gym and do a thousand reps of this but if you sell them on let's let's get yoked, whatever people want to buy, whether it's let's get yoked or maybe let's move with freedom. Let's experience movement freedom and emotional freedom and those other freedoms. It's, it's giving people, it's selling people on what they want, but then there's always that sneaking in, if you will, around, and in order to get what you want, here are all the things that you need to do. It's both. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's also about the hard work. Yeah. Like, uh, you want the result, but what about doing something mm -hmm. about the result? Yes, yes, yes. Snaps to that. I'm reading a book called Do the Work by Dr. Nicole. Oh, her last name, it always like, gets past me, but it's, it's the same it's the same principle. Yeah, you want to heal, you want to grow, you want to expand, you want to experience your potential. Great. You got to do the work every day, every day, every day. Yeah. And sometimes you miss, but that's okay. Get back on and get back to it every day, every day. And it's learning how to enjoy it, um, how to enter to this flow state because this is like uh, this is what we really gives us the sense of achievement and the sense of joy. Uh, knowing how to structure those challenges, you want them to be challenging, but not as much challenging, so you get overwhelmed. Um, and trying to manage yourself. Um, because we also have those instincts, uh, the dopamine um, addiction that we all uh, probably all have, like uh, Instagram and instant gratification, as we talked about, and, and uh, processed food and sugar and so on and so forth. Yeah. In, in Stephen Kotler's book, uh, The Art of the Impossible, which is pretty much the, the science, the, the, pra the practical science of flow, one of the things that he speaks to is the challenge skills ratio, that we want to make sure that there is a balance in how challenged to how much skill we currently have in this ratio. And it points exactly what you just said. Too much challenge, not enough skills, anxiety, overwhelm, not an optimal state for growth. Not enough challenge, a lot of skill, it creates boredom. Right. If you're playing Frisbee, yeah. I love Frisbee. It's one of my favorite pastimes. If I'm playing Frisbee with a group of people who just wipe the floors with me and I want so desperately to be good, it can be challenging to actually drop into that flow zone, which is in, in between anxiety and boredom. But if I'm playing with somebody who is doing it for the first time and, it, and my goal is to like get in there and have, you know, like to really like play. I'm probably going to experience maybe a little bit more boredom unless I'm coming from like a, well, let me teach, let me show perspective, which is a kind of its own yeah. thing, but that when we can, we can harmonize between challenge and the skills that we currently have, this is how we can access. I think what you're pointing at is this flow state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really loving what you do, I think is, is always finding ways to, 
um, enter to do to this flow state knowing your rituals before uh, you start a practice for me for example uh, I have the the basic movements the warm-up the Zen warm-up uh, I think you saw it in the program I think yep. I also wrote it there that the, the warm-up isn't so much for the warm-up itself it's also to uh, make you to enter to the flow state to get in touch with your body get in touch with your senses uh, start feeling breathing um, and all, all of those good stuff that get you into the flow state beautiful it's priming you for the experience it's getting you it's it's like the pre it's like the pre warm up to the warm up. It actually is getting you into that desired state before you just mindlessly go through your training. Let's mind fully and embodied state enter our practice and and drop in. So it isn't just yeah. arduous and boring or just largely unenjoyable because that's one way to not want to continue walking that path. Is that the path? you find no joy or no curiosity or a healthy amount of struggle. It's, it's balancing it, which I, I did love about the, the Zen warm up is that it encouraged being present and dropping into that state. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So taking a right turn here for a moment, what is one thing about you Unique to you. What is one weird or unique thing about you that like most people don't know? Um, I like to analyze things. Um, I'm very analytical and I'm, um, maybe now, you know, and maybe I, I hinted about it a bit, um, is that I'm, I'm also, I'm always, uh, oriented on, on the process and the cause and effect. I think uh, this is the foundational uh, principle of nature. And I always curious about um, the cause and effect, like what caused to something to succeed? What is the way? What is the pattern? What, what, what stays uh, in the roots of, of those results? Um, and not only results, but I always seek for the roots, maybe for the truth, uh, some might say. Um, I think this is, this is uh, really something that I, I always engage and uh, always thinking about it. Like uh, ev everything, almost everything that I um, see or, or, or hear, I want to know like what is the foundation, what, what is the root, what, what is the, the truth. Um, and I think this is what brought me to, to realizing and finding those, uh, those fundamental movements um, is looking what, what are the foundations, what are the, the basics. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think, um, what can describe my weirdness. <laughs> love it. Love it. A, a massive commitment to being curious, understanding the process, understanding the fundamentals and the foundations just as a way of life. So yeah. if people are wanting to get connected to you and hear more about what you're up to with, you know, creating movement freedom, how can they get connected to you? Um, the simplest way is my Instagram page, uh, at Dan Altman 10. 
uh, or it's Altman Danten. I don't remember. <laughs> and, yeah, it'll be in the show notes, people. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, thank you. Beautiful. And one final question, which is, in everything that we've talked about, what is one thing that somebody can start doing right now to? actualize on whether it's creating movement freedom or understanding how to deconstruct a process better, how to fall in love with the journey, whatever you want to speak to, what is one thing that somebody can do right now to start that journey? Um, I don't want to be too salesy, but um, I think <laughs> best, the best thing to, to, find, uh, to find freedom of motion, in my opinion, is the process I created, yep. uh, which is the movement manual. Um, I'm believing in it. I, I, I'm passionate about it. Um, and I, I don't think that there is anything better than that uh, that gives my 17 years when I created it of expertise uh, boiled down to the simplest components that I think everybody can do and everybody can start practicing. Well, let me be salesy on your behalf. If you're listening and you are wanting to create movement freedom, I've personally done the program. It's really great. It's something I consistently come back to and has encouraged me a lot on my movement journey. So definitely give that a shout. You can find that on his Instagram. You can also uh, probably find that in the show notes as well. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that, Dan. And also I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to come and play a little bit today. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed the talk. Um, I think you are very talented and I think you are just uh, on the rise. You're just starting uh, your journey in uh, helping other people. And I think uh, I love your, your stuff that you do with, uh, with the breath work. Um, really inspiring. Keep growing. Appreciate that, brother. Appreciate it a lot. And to those of you listening, thank you for your ears. Thank you for checking out uh, you know, what we had to, share, uh, had to share. And as always, continue to find, follow, live your truth, and follow the wolf within you. How? Thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe and share this with your people. Big love, fam.